Welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360, the podcast solving today's most pressing issues in the AI arthritis community. We invite you all to the table, where together we face the daily challenges of autoimmune and autoinflammatory arthritis. Every Sunday, join our fellow patient co-hosts as they lead discussions in the patient community, as well as consult with stakeholders worldwide to solve the problems that matter most. Whether you are a loved one, a professional working in the field, or a person diagnosed with an AI arthritis disease, this podcast is for you. So pull up a chair and take a seat at the table. Welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360, the talk show hosted by the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis, or AI Arthritis for short. My name is Patrice Johnson. I live in Northern California. Originally, nine years ago, I was diagnosed with RA, but currently I have an undifferentiated diagnosis. I am joined by two wonderful co-hosts. Effie Coleopolis and Rick Phillips. So I will have them just give the brief introduction of themselves. Effie? Hi, this is Effie. I am from Chicago, Illinois, and I was diagnosed with polioticular juvenile idiopathic arthritis. I know sometimes I even forget what I was diagnosed with, but I was diagnosed at 18 and I am joined with Rick. I am Rick Phillips. I live in central Indiana. And I was diagnosed with RA in 2000 and ankylosing spondylitis in 2015. Thanks, Rick and Effie. All right. So today at AI Arthritis, our mission as an organization is to help others like us living with AI arthritis diseases have a voice alongside other community stakeholders as equals. So together, we can solve problems that will impact education, advocacy, and research. Today's episode is about support network and what each one of us has gone through with a support or not having a support network and living with these diseases. So each one of us is going to tell our story and I will begin with me. Oh, by the way, all three of us are 2020 recurring co-hosts for the show. So kind of cool too. So since my diagnosis nine years ago, my spouse has always been oblivious as to what I go through living with this disease. He doesn't support me emotionally or physically. And because I don't look like I have arthritis, nor do I complain about the pain, he has told me on many occasions that it is all in my head. He doesn't understand what I go through. And we've had many arguments and heated discussions. Um, I don't even talk about it anymore because it's just a waste of my time. And, um, you know, I go through all the emotions of angry, depressed, hostility. So, you know, there's just kind of nothing left of the marriage, but I can't divorce him because of financial reasons and also because he is the one who has the health plan. Over the last couple of days, when I was preparing for this episode, I did a little bit of research on how, when you live with a chronic illness, how it can affect your marriage. And so the first statistic is from an article I found. It's called How Chronic Illness Affects Divorce Rate by John Martoccio, and it is dated July 12th, 2019. 
He stated that the national divorce rate is 40% in the U.S. but goes up to 75% when a spouse is chronically ill. The other statistic comes from an article entitled Marriage Tested by Chronic Illness, Why Some Men Leave. It was written by Paula Dumos, and it is dated March 24th, 2020. And she stated that a married woman diagnosed with a serious disease is six more times likely to be divorced or separated than a man with a similar diagnosis. So over the last couple of years, I began uh, volunteering and I have met many female arthritis patients who have gone through or are going through what I go through. Many of them have gotten a divorce or they just walked away from a relationship. So many may be wondering how I handle all of this. Well, as I stated, I began volunteering and I began to grow my network of arthritis patients. If I'm dealing with something, I can call them, text them, email them about what is going on in my life, either with my disease or just, um, you know, hi, how you doing, that type of thing. And they have just, they almost become like a family for me. It's funny because I get asked all the time, you know, why do you stay with him? And, you know, I feel so sorry for you because you have a non-supportive spouse. But I don't look at it that way. I have a really rich and beautiful life in spite of not having support. My two kids are grown and they're happy and productive people, and they both have wonderful spouses. I have five grandchildren who I absolutely adore. And also along the way, I discovered that volunteering has become incredibly, incredibly important to me. And it has brought out a passion inside of me for helping people. I didn't even know that that existed. So yes, I, I don't dwell on the negativity. I just focus forward and go with that. And that's my story. So I'll turn it over to Rick. And he has a whole different perspective. My marriage is very different. Cheryl and I met when I was 17. And we've been married 43 years I have been a, a person with type 1 diabetes for 46 years. So Cheryl never knew me without a chronic illness. And quite naturally, we built our life and had ups and downs and still do. And when I was in my late 40s, 20 years ago, I guess I've been 43, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Well, that was a, another chronic illness thrown in on top of the fire. And we had a very excellent cry. As a matter of fact, we've had many very excellent cries about it. And we moved forward. And then eight years later, I had to stop working. That's when I really had the emotional cry. Cheryl and I have continued to find our way through. It's not been easy. Marriage is never easy. But we have continued to find our way through and have come to the point where both of us now are retired. Both of us enjoy each other's company. We live full and productive lives. We have three grandchildren that we absolutely adore, two sons that we think are just magnificent. And we have established our life and expect to continue until the end of our lives. It has been a rich, rewarding, mutually rewarding experience. And 
there's no way I could live day to day without Cheryl in my life. I just couldn't do it. She supports me. She gives me comfort. She gives me correction. Uh, she tells me to get off my butt and do something. And she is sympathetic when I need it. She goes to my doctor's visits. When she sees something wrong and wants to make a point, she looks after what I am supposed to do and certainly gives me notice that I need to do it. So when ankylosing spondylitis came along, we had another good cry. And this past summer in March, I had a major spinal surgery to correct kyphosis, which meant that really I was down for, and by being down, I, I mean, I was in bed for six weeks following. And quite naturally, she, she was here. She watched over me and we went through this together. In fact, that's the way we've treated diabetes, RA, and AS. We have done it together. It's been a rich and rewarding life. Effie, I know that you're in a little bit different situation. Yeah, so compared to Rick and Patrice, I am single. I don't have a spouse. I'm in my 30s, so I haven't reached the point where I met someone to get married to yet, but hopefully in the future I do. So, you know, just hearing their stories is really inspirational because to piggyback off of what Rick was saying about his relationship, uh, you know, even with Patrice, I've known people, even my age, who've been dating someone. They may not have been married necessarily, but, or maybe they have, and they ended their relationships to their spouses or their boyfriends weren't understanding in terms of what Rick said, you know, I grew up with parents who were married close to as long as you were with your wife and my father, he was diagnosed with psoriasis in his thirties before I was born. So my mother also didn't know him without that illness either, but I got to experience that dynamic as well growing up with that. And I guess from what I'm hearing from all these other people that I've connected with over the years via my website and my blog and social media channels is one thing that people don't really know what to do when it comes to supporting our loved ones. That's something that's not talked about all the time. We always hear how they can support us. And, you know, loved ones can be family, friends, your spouse, as we just were talking about, love interests, coworkers, pretty much anyone in your life. And, you know, at the end of the day, they are human too, and they can feel overwhelmed and helpless just as much as we do when it comes to our diseases. And we have to find a way to educate them in a way that they can understand because as patients, we know how it feels when we are throwing all this medical jargon and doctor talk, as we like to say, and we may not understand it either. But then how do we communicate with those in our lives so they can understand what we're going through on like physical levels, emotional, mental, spiritual, financial, romantic, as we're talking about right now. And I always say that the disease doesn't only impact the person who has it, but everyone around them. So I guess how can we show more grace to people? Patrice and Rick, what do you think about that in regards to being married for all these years? How have you shown grace to people in your lives? Well, I always remember that grace is a two-way street. Marriage to me is the most difficult work that humans do. And it's also the most rewarding when it works. At our house, we both have to agree, we agreed long ago, that we would try to show each other grace. Now, that doesn't mean that we 
never disagree. Uh, certainly we do. But when we do disagree, we have to recognize that it's not an end point. It's a point to renegotiate our marriage. And in fact, I would say that Cheryl and I have been married not once, but probably five or six times over these years because our station in life has changed and our marriage has been big enough to evolve as our situations have evolved. How about you, you, Patrice? Okay. So Effie mentioned grace, how we show more grace. Like I said, I mentioned, I mentioned I have two grown children. So over the years, at first they were just like, they didn't just didn't want to hear that their mother was chronically ill over the years. And I think because they now have children of their own, they see it in a different light. You know, I've tried to educate them as much as I can, especially because there's some reports that this disease can be inherited. So I'm trying to educate them along the way that when I'm not here and I can't explain if either you or your spouse or the grandchildren show signs, this is what you need to do. And here's several different organizations you could get in touch with. So that's the one side of it. Also, I think Effie and I talked about this on another episode about forgiveness. And boy, it took me a really, really long time just to forgive myself. Forgive myself for past mistakes. Forgive myself for regrets. Forgive myself for feeling, you know, oh my God, I've got this disease, poor me. And so I think the forgiveness part has to start within and then it can work outwards towards others. So I'm still working on that. I probably will for the rest of my life. But yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, I mean, what Patrice said about forgiveness, she literally took, you know, that phrase out of my mouth because I was about to say that right now. I mean, I think that forgiveness is going to be something that we're going to be doing the rest of our lives, honestly, because there's always things that we're going to be going through regardless if we're healthy or not. And for explaining things to people like Patrice was saying about spreading awareness to her children and grandchildren and family members, like I do the same with my siblings too. Since our father did have psoriasis, we are at risk for developing autoimmune diseases. So I always try to tell them, you know, if you're feeling something, go to the doctor and get checked out. And other things like in regards to explaining to people, because I don't have a spouse, you know, in my generation, we grew up with the spoon theory and that was created by someone named Christine Misoradino. I believe I'm saying her name correctly. Forgive me if I'm not. But she actually had lupus, which is an invisible illness, which causes chronic fatigue, chronic pain, and many other symptoms that limit your energy levels and ability to do everyday things, just like AI arthritis disease that we talk about on this podcast talk show. So she came up with this theory, I believe it was in 2003, and one of her friends was asking her, you know, how come you can't really do certain things all the time? And she wasn't really understanding her journey. And so they were out eating one day and she grabbed all these spoons and said, well, if I take a shower, if I eat, if I go to work, then that's three spoons. So she had an example to show her exactly like how these daily activities that oftentimes people who may not be living with these diseases take for granted, or they may not think twice about them, but for us, we do. And then that sort of limits what we can do throughout the day or just impacts us daily. So that's something I have used personally to explain to people what's going on with me. And also like Patrice said, I make sure to forgive myself and also others 
for any shortcomings. Of course, if there is a pattern, you should stick up for yourself or not let it get to you to the point where it makes you sick. But, you know, it's easier said than done in certain situations. But yeah, I mean, that's what I have used personally to explain to people my age. And then, yeah, I just try to be patient with people because I can be impatient sometimes, you know, in the beginning years when people didn't understand me. But I, I can't blame them for not knowing either. I think that it's important, as both of you said, to forgive ourselves. I also think it's important to forgive others for not understanding. This happens so much in chronic disease community where something will be said or somebody will do something and they will be callous towards us. And we have to remember that they're not living with this. And to that end, we can educate But we also have to say, you know, maybe if you were in a different position, this would look different to you. And we we have to remember that they are not. And yes, we do live in this environment, but not everybody does. And that has become important to me in my life. When I was diagnosed, I was 18. So I grew up with other friends and family members who were kind of growing up with me at the same time. So they weren't dealing with any health issues. And then when friends and people that I know in my life started going through their own things, then they started understanding. Then they're like, oh, you know, I actually understand what you're going through, Mm. whereas before they didn't. So sometimes it just happens to people sooner in life than others. And that's why we have to show each other grace because everyone's on their own path. Yeah. I think too, in this world that we live in, especially because of the internet and all the research you can do on your diseases, there's more information out there. Both my parents had family history of diseases, but, you know, I grew up in the 60s, well, 60s and 70s. Things about heart disease, or I had a grandfather, an uncle, and a cousin all on my mother's side who were alcoholics, and that was never mentioned. I only found that out like in the last 10 years. Things like that were hidden. I have a brother who's autistic, and that was hidden too. My parents basically did not socialize with anybody other than family because they did not want them seeing their son. And that was the mentality of this country a couple of decades ago. So I'm not saying it's a good thing that that people Effie's age have these diseases far from that. What I'm saying is that there's just more information out there. There's more awareness. And I think there's more empathy with people who I come in contact with or all three of us about what we're going through. It's not just, oh, well, you know, big deal, you know, just take an aspirin and you'll be fine tomorrow. Well, Patrice, what you said there is 100% true in my experience with diabetes. Because when I was diagnosed, there was all this misinformation about type 1 diabetes, which is an autoimmune condition. We didn't even know that back in the early 70s. But there was this misinformation about why I had it and what I had done wrong to create it. Well, we now know, of course, that it is an autoimmune disease. I didn't do anything wrong. It occurred because of my genes or my cells or whatever. And I am so pleased with the fact that we can now point to rheumatoid arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, type 1 diabetes, and say, you know, we did nothing wrong here. And we don't need to be looking for what I did or what I didn't do. What we need to be looking for is how do we live forward? Yeah, and Rick is making a good point about what do you do about the solution rather than trying to focus on what caused things, like what can you do to treat your condition, which is important, 
which is why we're doing this podcast as well today. And I think many of the topics we discuss on the AI Arthritis Voices 360 is about treatments and all that stuff. One thing I wanted to mention in regards to people in my life, I know that, for instance, I don't know if it's cultural, but I know with the Greek culture and everything, like we don't really discuss when people are dealing with an illness. I know I, I grew up like that as well, like where we didn't really air out our business like that, or like it was like kind of more like if you were meet with family, like no one really talk about it too much until all the cousins got older. And then we, you know, we were all educated and open about things, but the older generation is not really, you know, it's, it's not something that is openly shared. And I, I think I had asked about people in our past ancestors and generations, like if anyone had rheumatoid arthritis, because my father did have psoriasis. So he obviously was part of my gene code where I was susceptible to developing an autoimmune disease. That's from what doctors say. But I think people just have said like, oh, maybe there was a great, great grandma, great aunt. I mean, but no one has records of that. You know, I don't know if it was because they were living in another country and they didn't really monitor that, but it's not something that's easy either to figure out a lot of the times. Well, that's one of the reasons I blog and I write for a couple of sites, because I hope to leave that record for my grandchildren and for my grandchildren's children. I hope that someday, if need be, and I, I hope it never happens, but if need be, I hope that they can find online that I dealt with some of these issues and I was very open about it and that this is what I faced, so that they won't have to guess, so that nobody will have to say, oh, you know, that crazy Rick back in, in the last 50 years of his life had some kind of something. Well, you know, hopefully 30 years from now, somebody who needs it will be able to go find it and say, yes, this is what my forefather dealt with, and this is the way he dealt with it. And this is the optimism that he showed going forward, because to me, that's a big thing. I, I want them to know that I am optimistic about going forward. I, I'm not shy. I'm not bashful. And I want to live a full and complete life. I want them to as well. That's the beauty of social media and technology nowadays where yeah. we have Ancestry.com and all these other genealogy trackers where we can start our generations at least to mark those things down. Yeah. And I was going to go back to what Rick said about optimism. And I have arthritis, but it doesn't define me. And I think probably all of us and even the listeners who have tuned into this episode probably agree with that too. But yeah, the ancestry.com has been wonderful. Although I must say, because on my mother's side, a good portion of them were Eastern European and a lot of the records were destroyed in World War II because most of my ancestors came from Austria, Poland, and Germany. But yeah, like Rick said, and I was thinking as Rick was telling us about being open and honest about maybe starting some sort of journal of, you know, how this disease began and here's what I've had been tested for and here's what the comorbidities I've had along the way and kind of leave that for my children so that they can, you know, look for things as their children are growing up or as they age as well too. You know, my aunt was uh, type 1. She was diagnosed in 1947, and she passed at age 12 in 1950. I know nothing about her existence for those three years. Now, my mom, of course, was type 1, and she was diagnosed in 61 or 2, passed in 1986, and I know 
way too much about her life existence with diabetes. While I know those things, I know that 30 years from now, nobody will know those things unless I take a stand in order to impart that information. And that's important to me. It's important to me that our ancestors know the research that I became involved in and the actions that I took to make future generations' lives better. It's a rich history that I hope can be transferred because that is how we live forward. That is certainly something my mother taught me, and that is how I choose to live forward and and hopefully can impart that to my grandchildren or my grandchildren's children. I agree. I agree. It, It has been so good to talk with both of you. And my only message is that relationships can work with chronic disease. I do think that, as I said earlier, each time something has come up, we have had to renegotiate our marriage in one way or another. And I think that we will continue to do that, build a relationship that is strong enough to be flexible and flexible enough to be strong. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Very good. Yeah. So um, that, to me, that's inspirational. I see my, my children interacting with their spouses and they have that kind of relationship. And so it's just like, wow, I, I'm just so blessed that they have those people in their lives. So in closing, I want to thank my co-hosts, Effie and Rick. It's just been wonderful sharing our different perspectives for our listeners. Next, it's your turn to join the conversation. So if you're living with an AA arthritis disease as a patient or the patient of a juvenile parent, please join our new private, and it's free, online community called AI Arthritis Voices. And the link to that so that you can register is aiarthritis.org slash aiarthritisvoices. There we can continue this conversation so all of your voices can be counted. And that way you can join all of us at the table. You can also get in touch with us via Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And our Twitter handle is at ifaiarthritis. Or you can email us at podcast at aiarthritis.org. And we also like to invite the other stakeholders who should weigh in on this subject. So you can find me at radiabetes.com. That's my blog. You can catch me on Twitter at L-A-W-R-P-H-I-L. And you can catch me on Facebook. Yeah, you guys can find me on my blog, Rising Above RA. It stands for Rising Above Rheumatoid Arthritis. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Rising Above RA. Great. Thank you. So for our listeners, we here at AI Arthritis would love it if you could give us a review and a five-star rating on your mm-hmm. podcast platform of choice. That is the sort of help that only you as listeners can provide so we can grow our audience. We are an organization that relies on the support from our community to keep doing the work that we do to improve the lives of 450 million people worldwide affected by these diseases. So if you would like to support the show, please visit aiarthritis.org podcast and give us a virtual high five, $5, or a double 10, $10. (laughs) And every donation given on this link will go directly to support this show. 
So thank you so much for joining us for this very special episode. And please be a part of the continued conversation at AIarthritis.org slash AIarthritis Voices or by sending a message because only together with all voices counted can we solve the problems that matter most to you. AI Arthritis Voices 360 is produced by the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis. Find us on the web at www.aiarthritis.org. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and stay up to date on all the latest AI arthritis news and events. 